0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ann Ortley's Weekly Weather. This is Ann Ortley's Weekly Weather for the week of July 3rd through July 10th. I know we're a little late. It was a holiday weekend, and I decided to do the holiday. Happy birthday, USA. You had your solar return this weekend. Um, And we're going to look at the energy of the week ahead, July 10th. Big shifts, big shifts, lots of changes, but for the most part, positive, which is always helpful. So happy birthday, United States. Last night I had a wonderful evening I spent with Miho and Judy watching fireworks in Brooklyn. They have a beautiful apartment that gazes a couple of directions, but one of them being west towards New York. So we watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Macy's fireworks, they also have a Thanksgiving Day Parade blooming over the city. And then of course they have accompanying music. And we listened, and I sang along to the music, and we watched the fireworks, and it was wonderful. So hopefully you had a really blessed uh, and enjoyable 4th of July weekend. So let's talk about the energy. So first up, we know that on the birthday of the United States, we have what's called a solar return, where we cast a chart for the birthday coming forward and find out where the sun is going to be on the day of the birth. So the sun returns to the place it was in the solar return actually on July 5th and that happens sometimes on solar returns. It's the day before, the day after, but this is the chart for the birthday, our birthday this year. So when we're looking at this chart, we're going to see kind of the theme of the year play out. Usually we see it a week or two in advance, sometimes a month or so in advance of the birthday and of course we've been having a lot of volatility in the news, we've had the hearings, we've had the Supreme Court, uh, the Supreme Court rulings, and so this is the chart for the birthday of our country this next year. Of course we see the Gemini rising, that means lots of conversation, lots of communication, lots of energy. What happened last night right as the shift took place was Mars shifted out of Aries where he was last the last two months, and he went into Taurus. So we see a lot of energy up here in the 11th house, which is the house of groups and associations. In a country's chart, this is the house of Congress. We see up here, the ninth house is the Supreme Court. The 10th house is the executive branch. We see the midheaven is zero Pisces. So we're gonna look at Jupiter. We're gonna look at Pisces ruler, which in this case is Jupiter and Aries in the 11th house of groups, so that does indicate arguments and fights around groups, but Jupiter now is in Mars and Taurus, so there's steady arguments. There's going to have a uh, consistency to them, there's gonna have a directness to them, so that's kind of interesting. We also see here, you know, this. we always look where the sun is, and the sun's in the uh, edge of the second and third house. It rules the fifth, the th- it's between the edge of the 1st and 2nd house, and it rules the 3rd house of communication, voting, that's the 3rd house is where votes take place, but also is ideas. So with the Sun here, uh, joined to Out of Bounds Lilith and Out of Bounds Ceres in the edge of the 1st and 2nd, so that's what's of value to us. We're going to be talking about 1st house, which is who we are, second house, which is what's of value to us, and third house is our communication. So we see a focus on those kinds of areas this year. We also see Mercury just shifted last night, we'll look at both the charts shifting of Mars and Mercury last night in the wee small hours of the evening. Mercury shifted into Cancer, uh, and it rules the chart. It rules, it, you know, the uh, Gemini rising answers to the Mercury in Cancer. And then we also, whenever we have Cancer planets, they speak to the moon in Virgo, right? moon in Virgo is in charge of those cancer planets. Moon in Virgo is a poor sign. Yes, P-O-O-R. A lot of times when the moon is in Virgo or when the moon is in Capricorn, those are two signs when uh, the year is economically a little difficult. We see the moon down here in Virgo's Hout in the fourth house of home and family, which suggests that it'll be a little bit of a financially challenging year for folks, we also see the moon in a sextile to Ceres, and of course that's the, uh, the abortion ruling that we just had. There is a grand trine uh, between the south node and Scorpio. Uh, Scorpio, of course, is reproductive, but also what's happening in terms of employment and jobs. Uh, you know, the sixth house is the public, the general public. Uh, we see the trine over here to Ceres out of bounds in Cancer, and then we see they both trine Juno and Neptune up here at the top of the chart in terms of how we partner and what we what our dream is. So we see this nice grand trine there in uh, water, which is emotional. Now, we also know when we have a grand trine, it's a closed energetic system. So zoom, 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 zoom. We're all talking to ourselves. We're all thinking about ourselves. We're not really external, right? Uh, and we what will happen when you have a grand trine, if there's a planet over here, say, like Uranus or the North Node, that forms a kite, which is a little hard to see, but that means that the kite shoots out here into the 12th house of undoing, sorrows, doing things behind the scenes, secret stories, uh, with Uranus there, kind of unexpected secret stories. So we know, um, and also 12th houses travel outside of your local environment, so traveling. um uh, it, and also, we're, you know, we're starting to travel again. We're starting to uh, have these opportunities. There's also a grand trine in Earth, which you can see here with the Pluto in the eighth house, again the house of values from other people and control from other people, and of course Capricorn, physical control, trining the moon in, to- in Virgo, and then coming up here and trining the Uranus north node. So there's a grand trine in Earth. When that happens, Uh, Grand trines again, we look at to see is there an outlet and yes there is. There's an outlet up here to the uh, Juno and the Neptune which forms the kite from the Grand Trine in Earth heading north, right? Heading up into, okay, what direction are we going to take? How are we going to get there? And then there also is an exit point over here. See the Grand Trine here and the exit point over here is the 21 degree Uh, cancer or series out of bounds in the second house. So we see that there is these energies where we're going to be drawn. Think of kites and how they fly. They go up and they wiggle but they go to the shorter end and the longer end has the tail. So if you imagine there's a grand trine here and then there's a kite part there. The shorter end is that south node in Scorpio. This is mobilizing. This is losses among the people. This can be economic also. You know, work and jobs. And then over here the, this is the shorter end, you know, from the Grand Trine off the Earth. And that's the series, you know, out-of-bounds series in the second house of what's of value. And the, the leg of it is this, the tail is where the Pluto in Capricorn. Of course, as a United States, we know we're having our Pluto return. We're going to have this for another two years, people, till the end of December of 2024. And then it has to get off for a little bit. You know, it has to be a few degrees off for us to really figure out what happened. And of course, it's the Pluto return of when the Declaration of Independence was signed. Um, so this is the chart for the United States, Sag. I like this one, it's a Sag rising. It's an elected chart called the Sibley chart. And we see the solar return over here. The sun is the same degree. That's the symptoms of the solar return and the energy of the solar return. We see Ceres on the Mercury, retrograde, in Cancer. We're gonna be talking about a lot of things about what's of value to us and what's important to us. Up here, we have Neptune and Lilith. Uh, Lilith is, of course, the planet that she was. She refused to be subservient. And so we have Neptune uh, in the ninth house, which is we're supposed to have the church and state separated. And that's the idea. First Amendment, it says it right in there. Uh, but with moon on the Neptune, exactly at 2222, 22, separated by just 12 minutes of orb, we see that moon on Neptune saying, we're going to be having a lot of conversations about the value, the purpose of the separation of church and state, why we have that, and also the value of the rulings from the Supreme Court uh, in terms of the focus, and of course, Leo rules that ninth house, which is you know think of the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, oh King, go 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 away, we don't like you over here, we see the ascendant for of Gemini right on the Mars of the United States. Now, electly, electionally, uh, the Founding Fathers picked Mars and put it in the seventh house, where it's weak. It doesn't like being in Libra's house. has to talk, has to communicate. And, of course, Mars in Gemini is you know, not a decisive Mars. It's a back-and-forth. It's also a sibling rivalry. You fight with me, I'll fight with you. So Mars in Gemini is a civil rival energy. So the chart does foretell, in our natal history, a civil war. But also this year, with the Ascendant on that Mars in Gemini, uh, a civil war, or communication war, lots of communication energy around how we're going to change things. And we also see the North Node here on Vesta, the home and Hearth, and Uranus, of course, is endings, abruption, Uranus is indicated. And uh, when you send your cat to get castrated, every time I've had a cat castrated since I've been an astrologer or spayed, Uh, Uranus is active, so we see Uranus here in the fifth house of children on Vesta, providing a home to children, Uranus on that, and the note of fate, you know, so the abortion decision is going to continue to play, as well as housing decisions, Uh, the EPA, you know, being banned from uh, the coal stuff, Uranus, we're going to separate your ability to patrol the environment, right? a lot of energy here with that north node, breaking up old rules, old structures, old beliefs about the physical reality of our world. Over here, we see the Midheaven and Vesta in the third house of communication. But more importantly, we see the Saturn retrograde there sitting on Pallas Athena, the judge and the juries and the belief belief system that we have about what's possible. And the moon in Aquarius. So, Saturn on the moon kind of speaks to it. And then, there again, we see Ceres, the energy of the planets and children and creativity on Vesta. So, we're going to have, you know, we see this, we see the chart really activating that story. And then down here, uh, Juno and Neptune, which is partnering with what our dream is for ourselves. And then, of course, because in a couple of days, on July 11th, we're going to have our. our uh, second of three Pluto returns. We see the Pluto return there. Now, of course, this is all instructive and, you know, and I'm an astrologer, so we're going to have a little bit of politics inserted. Um, well, first we'll go back and we'll look at the the, t- the aspects in this chart. We see three T-squares, or four T-squares, that are pretty intense, particularly that Pluto-Eris series. Ceres is the mother planet, Eris is arguing and fighting, and Pluto is power and control. So that's a Setup doc that's a setup argument in the chart for the whole year. And one of the things about solar returns, they're very interesting. They have a very strong story they tell you about the theme of the year. It's like a snapshot of what we're going to be working with. It has the grand trines, which we talked about, and then the kites, which I pointed out to you, going out from the moon Pluto palace, you know, the emotional nature of power and the vision, right? And then down here, we go the moon, Pluto, and then we throw Neptune as the apex of the kite and the node, right? So that's the shooting out in Neptune. What's our belief system? What, why do we believe what we believe? Then we see the Sun-Series-South node, and so we see that one in, invaded by Uranus and Juno, right? Or, I'm sorry, Uranus and that one causing a kite. And then we see the Neptune-Series-Moon-Juno again activated. So these are the kites that pull us off. There are two fingers of God, or Yods or Yods. One with the moon as the apex and Saturn and Eris as the legs. So if we look at that we see the moon down here in the fourth house and we see that Saturn is uh, 24 and we see that Eris, the goddess of discord, is 25. The, The 11th house in addition to being the community and the groups, this is also Congress. The community in the in the governing government of our body, and then the elected the uh, the executive branch. The president is the tenth, and then we see here the the ninth house is the Supreme Court. So we see a finger of God coming out of that moon in Virgo, and then when we look at the um, we look at the chart and try and understand what's going on, we go, oh wow, a finger of God. It's a faded story, a faded year this year around that moon in Virgo. So if you've got stuff at 22 Virgo, and of course in the United States, it's up here in the ninth house of the Supreme Court. It's also in the ninth house of the belief systems of the jurisprudence, the belief about what we're doing. Why are we doing that? Uh, we have a second finger of God comes Ceres from Saturn, Ceres, and Moon. So if we look here, we see Saturn up here as the apex. We see the out of here in the second house we see the moon down here in the fourth. Again, the issues of the, the you know, I think the abortion thing is just going to be huge. Um, and also your your opportunity to uh, work with that energy, because fingers of God act like kind of flying energy systems, where they fly in and they take off and they get you moving in a whole new way. And so that finger of God is pretty potent. There's two of them, and they both share Saturn, right? So that's actually, uh, it's an interwoven finger of God. The two of them connect. There are two mystic rectangles. Mystic rectangles are when you're inspired to take action to do something. One is the moon-Pluto-Neptune series. Again, we see the energy of the mother, the power, the Neptune, which has got a religious component, which also has a belief system component, and Ceres, which is the mother energy. And then there's a second mystic rectangle, and this one's a little controversial. Some people would say, no, no, Anne, you can't do that. The South Node is involved now. I involve the nodes of fate because I studied Vedic astrology for seven years, and they treat the nodes almost like planets. So a lot of people don't use nodes in planetary pictures, but I do because I find that it uh, it helps. You know, because it is fate. You know, <laughs> the nodes are fate. I'm sorry, they are fate. So, so Uranus, unexpected changes, Moon, Mother, South Node, taking away, loss, Juno, partnerships. So that's an energy of the second mystic rectangle. And mystic rectangles have an energy where they invite us to do something. Now they can be in earth and water, or fire and air, or a combination. These two mystic rectangles are in earth and water. So they're gonna physically wanna manifest in the world as opposed to just talking about it. So that's an important thing to think about, what those mystic rectangles mean, what houses they rule, and why they would then, when they get activated, they're gonna bring us into a change in a story. There's what's called the focus god, which is that moon, Saturn, Neptune one with Eris involved in it. So when we look at that, we see the moon, Saturn, Eris, and then we see Neptune here opposite the moon, right? So Neptune is the focal point, and it kind of acts almost like a rocket when it's sitting there. It focuses the energy. And we also see Juno there. She's a little wide but the two of them partnering in action, partnering on belief systems, shooting at that north node, shooting at that moon there. So we see an energy of discussion and conversation and forward motion. Uh, Rosettas are the ability to see both sides of the story. Heelys are, you know, kind of taking action aspects. You know, they get things up and moving, kind of like a helicopter pilot. They're not always the smoothest. <laughs> But they get things moving. The square key makes you aware of stuff that you hadn't seen before. It kind of unlocks the door. And you can see that the moon Saturn is, the Saturn's involved in all three keys, which is like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that structure was going to change like that. And it kind of pops the story and makes things change suddenly because square keys have squares in them and trines in them. So it, like, unlocks something. And then the diamond. And I, you know, I don't usually agree with Donald Trump on most things, but he always does tell us what he's going to do. He's very good. He tells us what he's going to do. We all go, he would never do that. And then he does it. And he said about that Roe v. Wade ruling that um, <laughs> he said, I don't think this is going to be good for the GOP. I'm like, really, Donald? Wow. Okay. I trust the guy. He's a con man. He know he knows how to read a grift and he knows he knows how to read things. So, We'll see what happens. So at any rate, that's that. And then the aspects for the asteroids are interesting, of course. Sun on the and Lilith. Lilith did not want to be uh, held um, captive or told what to do. Uh, Terpsichore is a musical energy. So we're going to have some really interesting music this year, which is always kind of fun. Um, And then a lot of energy here with Pallas Athena opposite Hera, which is traditional beliefs about how things have to be and on Phaeton. Phaeton is an indicating of fall from grace. And of course, Athena just shifted into Gemini. So she's gonna be talking about these fall from graces because Phaeton is very active in this solar return chart. And then, of course, always fun, the Arabic parts. Now these are really interesting things. So we see Mercury on the part of life. We're gonna be talking about life. We see Athena, the palace Athena, justice on the part of discord. And we also see the ascendant on the part of danger or peril, which I always find when that happens makes for a really interesting year. So the Gemini rising chart presents us with danger or peril as we look at it. And we also see Ceres out of bounds, opposite the part of inheritance and opposite the part of profession. Of course, Ceres, you know, children, a lot of people, have they've been abortion providers, just lost their jobs. <laughs> or also we're going to be adjusting the direction we head in, in terms of our work and our life, in terms of creative work, all of us. You know, what is it we're trying to create? What is our calling? What is our purpose? Why are we here? What do we want to leave behind? Now, the one that I find interesting is always looking at this, Uncle Donald. Okay, so the inside is the solar return. The next wheel out is um, Donald Trump's chart. Uh, The third wheel out is the uh, U.S. chart, right? Um, Yeah, so the third wheel is the United States. So we see, we have that Mars and Gemini in the U.S. chart. We see that the rising sign is 23 Gemini, which is the Mars and Gemini. And we see Donald Trump's sun in his north node, because he was born on an eclipse. We see his sun on that Mars. So we know, and we also see Venus in there, we also see that his... You know his Supreme Court justices—the three that he got—because um, one was stolen and two were elected. But you know, only—you know—he won on the elect—he won on the electoral college. He didn't win in the popular vote. So we're seeing this Mars here being really activated—the U.S. Mars being really activated by this Supreme Court ruling, which we saw before, on um, which we saw before here we saw that the ascendant was on the Mars, but now we're seeing here that this ascendant at 23 Gemini is Donald Trump's son and his North Node and also his Mars. So that lasting legacy that he gave us of this new court, which is going to be rolling for 30 years, we see his ascendant down here and his Mars here and the fundamental changing the foundation of our country, uh, our belief systems about things and how we work, we see the North Node and his Pluto on that North Node in Leo. Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's the Leo and his Pluto's on it. Let me transform your life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Astrology is very literal. And I'll make this stuff up. I just read the Node. North Node, we're going to. You said you wanted to pursue your heart's path, Leo. I'm going to Pluto it. Um, and we know we're having a Pluto transit as a country. Then here, we have a Mercury retrograde in our chart. Uh, in cancer, uh, the conversations about what home and family and values are, and we see that Donald Saturn and his and his uh, Venus sit on that Mercury, and of course his son is on our Mars. So when we talk about enemies, domestic and foreign, and again my politics are showing here, you know it's going to be very hard to take over our country. It's not like, like Europe where you can roll in and take over. Somebody like Putin is doing with Ukraine. We're like a unique little body over here. We got this big old country. But domestic, that can be a real problem. And we see Donald's son in his north node triggers our domestic enemies, triggers our Mars and Gemini, our fighting among ourselves, our separation that we're experiencing and seeing so much more. And of course, I'm not going to spend much more time on this, but I do want to talk to you a little bit about remembering if you're being asked to fight, why are you being asked to fight? What are you being asked to fight about? and to change the focus with the Mars in this chart being in Taurus now, in the solar returns chart. The Mars is here in Taurus in the 11th house. Uh, I, w- I, had, um, I had lunch with a friend the other day, and she said to me, I was told this thing by a mutual, friend of, a mutual friend of ours. She said, what other people think of you is none of your business. And I was like, ooh, I like that. That's interesting. That's a good, interesting way to think. What other people think of you is none of your business. But with this Mars and Taurus, we should go about our business, whatever our business is, and work on it, without being distracted by the fighting. Notice the Mars does not have any planets on it. So we have a great opportunity here to go about our business and take action to get changes that we want. So I think that's important, rather than being distracted by the fighting, to make those changes. Then we look over here. We see um, down here, of course, in the the Fifth House of Children, We see the United States, Saturn, is in this solar return uh, here uh, in Libra. And that Donald Trump's Juno and Chiron and Jupiter are are all on that also. So that's that wounding the structures, wounding the uh, rule of law. Saturn and Libra is the rule of law. Um, Understanding how we're going to work with this uh, energy going forward. So this is a quick little overview of the solar return for the year. Uh, That's the year. Till next year so we, you can see it's a busy year our em- emphasis on this is to do our own thing and push for what we want slow and steady Mars and Taurus in the 11th house of hopes and dreams what is it you want and to remember that you, might, you may want a couple things with Venus and Gemini because Mars and Taurus answers to Venus and Gemini but it's a slow and steady it's being the ant rather than the grasshopper and going okay what do we need to do to change this now, what happened in the last day, since last night, when you went to bed, um, on the 4th of July, Pallas entered the Athena, right? So there she is. She's down here in Athena, and, uh, or in Gemini, rather. And so she's in, she entered Gemini, and she's going to be in Gemini until September 6th. So she's been in Taurus this last couple months, and now she's in Gemini where she's talking strategy, third house. She's talking about Gemini things. Gemini Rules Votes. Like I said in the last podcast last week, the way around this PB is Venus in Gemini ruling the third house, massive voter turnout. Protesting in the street is lovely. I like it. That's your third house too. But I want you doing something. Two things. One, protesting, but two, registering to vote. And then massive outpouring because that is how we change this and voting for democracy, not necessarily Democrats, I'm kind of annoyed with them myself, but voting for the people that are not gonna control your bodies. Voting for the people that say, no, I'm, I, I think you should have a right to choose and I'm not gonna block it. Those are the people you're gonna vote for, the people that aren't gonna tell you what to do. Nobody has the right to tell you what to do. If you're over, my mother used to have a phrase, um, you're responsible. You're responsible. You're over twenty-one. You're responsible for your you're responsible for your choices. We all can vote at eighteen, so vote. Pallas Athena, entering this until September, has a lot of strategic energy, a lot of focus in houses one, two, three. She doesn't rule a house, but she's she's the brilliant mind, the brilliant idea, you know, how we move forward with this whole new energy in terms of direction and where we're headed. Um, there's also a very strong energy for her. Uh, with Venus down here at the 4th, we, we know that Venus shoots up to the top. We know that Jupiter's in Aries, rule, rules the mid-heaven. Sagittarius is in the 1st house. So it's a very first one, two, three. this is what I want. Moon in the 7th and Virgo. How do we provide service? How do we work with other people? How do we work with people that are having uh, financial difficulties? Because we're going to have a recession next year. Um, we'll talk about that more in another time but we do see that focus here. And remember, this is a very bundled chart. All the planets are over here with the moon acting as the handle of the bucket. And so she's in the process of getting conscious, right? She's getting conscious about how to see things. As she gets to be opposite the bucket, she's kind of more balanced. And then as she's over on this side, which is in a few days, she is, um, uh, she's, she understands psychologically what to do. But moon in Virgo, she's organizing, she's figuring it out, She answers to this Mercury at the very last degree of Gemini. So Moon answers to the last degree Gemini, which is, okay, what are our approaches? How are we going to do it? Where are we going to go? Pallas Athena is very strong. Next up on July 5th, in the wee small hours of the morning, I'm back in New York at the bright red desk. You can hear the fire sirens. Um, uh, On the wee small hours of the morning on March 5th, uh, July 5th, Mars entered Taurus. And he will be in Taurus until August 21st. So Mars now, we look at Mars, he's working behind the scenes. He rules the Aries houses behind the scenes in the chart cast for DC. And Mars is in the 12th house of undoing. So there's going to be undoing going on behind the scenes. Always a helpful energy, undoing, ruling the 6th house of the people and the 7th house of how we see things, as well as the South Node. So there's a lot of energy here, a lot of focus from Mars between now and the end of August in 10, 11, 12, the group work, as well as the individual purpose and why I'm here. And we know when Mars shifts, now that he's in Taurus, he's answering to the Venus in Gemini. Again, two parts, two things. Mars in and, Mars and Taurus is slow and steady, but he's going to be doing two things at the same time. Remember, we can, we can walk and chew gum, we can protest, we can vote, we can say, this is my vision, and then we can figure out how to get there. Because Venus is very smart when she's in Gemini, and she talks to an aneretic Mercury at the last degree of, of Gemini, which is an intense focused energy. Intense idea energy is a better way to say it, not really focused. But, like, I have an idea, okay, I have another idea, okay, write them all down, let's get them done. Then Mercury entered Cancer right after Mars entered Taurus, and Mercury's on a world point, when Cancer's a world point. Now what this means is every two and a half days, as that moon changes signs, our minds are going to change, our minds are going to shift, and Mercury is in Cancer until July 20th. It's a very short little bout in Cancer, just 15 days. He's moving quickly. He's out of his retrograde shadow, and he's zipping along, right? So not a long time, but every time the moon shifts, he's going to change emotionally in terms of how he works with stuff, And he's going to take Venus and Athena with him, because they answer to him. And, of course, he and the sun and the Lilith and the Ceres also out of bounds. A lot of energy with Mercury ruling what's of value to you, what's important to you. Uh, It rules the second house, rules you, the first house. And it rules the fifth house of children, creativity, what the creative journey is going to be. Next up, Vesta stations to go retrograde, and she is going to be retrograde, go back into Aquarius, and she then goes back into Pisces. So she does not leave Pisces until February 8th of uh, 2023. So there's a very strong energy with her shifting in, and you can see her stationing down here, around the fourth house and home. Again, migration. It's also the housing stuff's going to start to shift. We've had a couple years where it's been a little wild, Uh, And remember, back in 2008, when Pluto went into Capricorn, we had the housing crisis. We're gonna have another one, um, when Pluto goes out of Capricorn, or an economic crisis, which is next year, coming, not here yet. But know that this is coming, you know, start planning ahead, thinking about it. And I remember saying a while back ago, when Uranus went into Taurus, there were gonna be food shortages. And of course, we've seen baby formula shortages, we've seen cat food shortages. Well, next year when Uranus gets into the Capricorn decant of Taurus, we're really going to have food shortages. Of course, they're already predicting it a little bit because Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe, grows a lot of stuff, not growing anything this year, they're having a war. So we're going to watch for that energy of food and uh, home as being very active with Festa between now and the end of Uh, March next year, Uh, between now and March, I'm sorry, February 8th next year. Okay, so that's the energy for the week. Uh, Quick, quick, we'll do the degrees. Uh, The sun goes from 11, um, 11 cancer to 18, 18 cancer this week, activating things. Highlight of the sun this week will be uh, July 10th. The sun is going to be in a sextile to Uranus, sun here. Sex, telling Uranus, which is a creative energy that's going to happen on, uh, on July 10th. We're going to feel the energy of wanting to create. A lot of health aspects, the 4th and the 5th, with the sun in a quindicile to Pluto and contra-parallel Pluto. And, of course, we had the shootings on July 4th. This is being recorded on the 5th because I took a couple of days off and it didn't work. Well, I worked, but I didn't work. Um... So that's the sun's activity this week. And of course, he has a real argument with Pallas Athena on July 8th. He's got a semi-square with her now in her new and now in her new sign of Gemini. So we're gonna watch what happens then. Uh Mercury this week goes from twenty-six Taurus and he enters Cancer and he gets as high as ten fifty-two cancer. He's going pretty fast. That's fifteen degrees in a week. It's almost two degrees a day. He's kind of flying. Uh his hard aspect is um Of course, as we mentioned, he enters enters cancer, so he becomes much more focused on emotions and passions, and as the moon changes, he changes. And we also see Mercury in a sextile to Mars, which speaks to um, Mercury's on the world point sextiling Mars and saying, hey, maybe we should take action and do this. And that sextile happens on the 5th. And so there's an action of, okay. And you're going to feel the energy really shift as we're going from air and fire into Earth and water, so instead of it being visionary and ideas, now we're going to get down to business and do stuff. So that's always pretty helpful. And then we also have uh, what else? We have Mercury trining Vesta. That's on the eighth, which is a lot about making your nest more important. Of course, Mercury and Vesta are both uh, going to be on a world point. Then Vesta is stationing on a world point, so there's a lot of energy around home and where we're going to do, where we're going to nurture ourselves. Where we're going to take care of ourselves this week. Venus this week runs from 12 Gemini to 2059 Gemini, and she has a square with Juno, which is kind of taking partners on the chin on the 10th. There definitely is some kind of uh, disruptive energy on the 10th because Venus um, also has a hard aspect to the nodes of fate as well as a square to Juno. So we're going to see some partnerships break apart, fall apart, not last. Uh, which is always an interesting energy. Usually that's a prominent divorce. I'm separating, I'm leaving, and everybody goes, what? Really? And that energy is uh, also, you know, partnerships that have perhaps been long lasting that aren't really working for you anymore. Mars this week, as we mentioned, goes into Taurus. That's his big aspect, and he'll be in Taurus again until August 21st. And he runs from 28 Aries to 3, 42 Taurus. Saturn this week's not doing much of anything except having, on the 10th, an argument around creativity. And that's, he goes from 2436 Taurus to 2418 Taurus because he's moving backwards retrograde. So he's kind of poking along. We mentioned the Vesta stationing. uh, And the other planets are all moving pretty slowly. Nobody's zipping along high up there in the sky. Uh, Ceres is aspecting the nodes of fate on July 3rd. Um, So that happened already. That was on Sunday. And that's also choices about how we're going to nurture and care for ourselves. When we look at the moon calendar for the week, uh, if you didn't do your new moon ritual, you still have a little bit of time. Um, The new moon ritual, uh, you know, do it before the 12th next week, the full moon. Um, So uh, the moon in Monday and Tuesday is in Virgo. uh, And it goes void at um, 2.04. Uh, last night, uh, the, the the fifth went void at 2:04, with a trine to Pluto. It's void until 6:25 today. So the moon is void all day long on the fifth, Tuesday the fifth, and then it goes into Libra. Um, for well, it's not void all day long. It's void from 2:04 p.m. all void in the afternoon until 6:25. Goes into Libra. It's in Libra uh, Tuesday night. Wednesday, Thursday, it goes void at 9.04 p.m. with a square to Pluto. That's the crabby days this week, uh, the 5th, the 6th, and the 7th. Then it goes into Scorpio bright and early on the uh, Friday morning, the 8th, at 1.15 a.m. And it's in Scorpio Friday, Saturday, Sunday, going void at 12.34 a.m. And it goes void with a sextile to Pluto, and then the moon enters Sagittarius next Sunday, the 10th, at 4.34 a.m., and is in Sagittarius on the 10th and the 11th, and it goes void with the square to Neptune. So it's an interesting week. The Scorpio moon is probably your one, if you haven't done your new moon ritual from last week yet, do it then on the 8th and the 9th, and uh, that's a good day to do it. And it's emotional and working and you know transformative and all that. The tough days emotionally are going to be today the 5th, because everything's shifting and everybody's going to really feel the energy shift. And also the seventh, which has a lot of adjusting energy, with that moon in Libra making hard aspects to um, forming hard aspects in the sky to Uranus and Neptune, and also um, forming a uh, minor um, a minor finger of God with them. Uh, so there's a lot of energy around choices and options and legal matters and purpose. And then uh, the let on the weekend. On Saturday the ninth, it's a little bit tough. Not horrible. That's not a terrible day. It's just got a little bit of emotional, a little bit of emotional heft, because the Moon in Scorpio is going to square Saturn at the same time it trines right after that. It trines Neptune. So structurally, because the energy is really shifting so much this week, you really just kind of want to focus on, okay, how do I handle this energy? What do I do with it? Because there's a lot of energy internally around. Um, that grounding, it's coming down to earth, it's coming down to ground. What are we going to do practically about the energy this week? So it's a shift, and of course, we are still in the time of cancer. So every two and a half days when the moon changes signs, Mercury's going to feel it, Lilith's going to feel it, the sun's going to feel it, and Ceres is going to feel it. So as it shifts, you're going to really see, you know, you're going to be an honorary Cancer. We're all honorary Cancers this month. We're going to understand how the mood affects the mood. How the moon affects the function of stuff. And when that moon goes into Libra, and it's in this little argumentative phase, which is next week, we're really going to see a lot of contention. So it's an interesting week ahead. Uh, also, we're announcing, uh, you're able to uh, register for it now. I'm doing a cruise this year, January 22nd to, 0, uh, 22nd to 023 through the 28th. I'm going to be on the cruise with some of my friends, Patricia Bell, Sam Rendles, Cassandra Butler. We're going to do astrology. We're going to do Reiki. We're going to do crystal healing. Some of you are going to do yoga. Who knows? Maybe I'll do it this time. So you can sign up for the cruise on my website as participating in the group. It's $200. It's not expensive. And then call Hildy Crankshaw at KE Travel uh, 561-966-9808 to uh, book your room. So you're in, we're in as a group. So we're gonna organize some group tours and stuff like that. Also, I'm gonna be speaking at Esar on August 5th to the 29th. I'm going to do a workshop on the Pluto return for the United States. And I'm also gonna do a horary workshop which is you ask a question and try and find things that are missing uh, using, using the chart, the chart for the question, like, where is my whatever? Just this week, I helped a friend of mine find her keys under her blue couch in the corner near the papers. They were right near the bookcases. So, um, yeah, so Horary allows you uh, to look at the question and get in information from the heavens. You're querying the heavens, similar to a tarot card or the I Ching. But it's using astrology, and it's a great technique, and I love it. Uh, and then, of course, Omega. We're going to be working at Omega uh, September 16th and 18th. I'm working with four other astrologers. We're going to have a great time. It's a single track in, set in the beautiful woods of upstate New York uh, in the fall, kind of in that magical crisp time. They have good food. They have lovely people. And it, you'll be in a group of people that are like-minded that we're going to have a good time. Sign up for that on e Omega, eomega, E-O-M-E-G-A, Dot org. And, of course, ISAR, isar.org is the conference at the end of August. And then last but not least, sign up for a cup full of stars. Uh, people seem to like it. I give a ten, six- to ten-minute audio and a list of the aspects every day, which you can also get on Twitter for free, um, Ann Ortley. And you sign up at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash Ann Ortley. $17, and you get an email every night sent to you with an audio for the day and a... A list of the aspects. So I wish you a great week and um, have a wonderful one. Off we go into the new adventure and happy birthday America. And let's have a good solar return. Let's work that solar return in positive, upbeat, new directions where we're being strategic, we're taking action, and we're thinking in new and exciting ways that really are emotionally valuable to us. Have a good one. Bye.